This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wang Xiaoning together with Philip C, who is wearing this very bright yellow and orange kind of butter-inspired shirt. Exactly, because it's a wonderful Tuesday morning. Yes, it is. It is the 21st of June and it's just gone past 6am and we're here to keep you company till the sun rises, which should happen at about 7.02, but we're going to be here till 10am. That's right. And I'm really, really happy because I'm so glad I don't need to do car shopping next week. (laughs) Why? Because because SST is going to run out. The extension will exemption will run out at thirtieth of June. So I presume car showrooms are going to be packed to the hilt for this week, right? Because you've got week. one week. Okay, the rule. What the news is, you've got one week to buy the car because SST holiday ends at the end of June. Yep. And provided your car is delivered by March, March, you can still enjoy the SST holiday, right? Yes, that's right. So I'm sure people are going to be jam-packing the showrooms and like demanding when is the car going to be delivered. Can you guarantee it's delivered by 31st of March 2023? Yeah, so I think the it, two types of people. One, one which haven't been placed their orders, they're like, oh, I've got chance, lah. let's go for it. okay? Yes. Because they thought maybe no chance already. The car cannot be delivered by end of June. And there'll be all the people who have already placed their orders now. Panicking. Panicking. I, can or not? Can or not? Can or not? But I presume March 20, 2023 is feasible. Although we have seen so many supply chain disruptions taking place and delayed deliveries. But I presume March 2023 is feasible? Maybe for some types of cars. We'll see. We'll see. These are questions we'll be asking our, you know, so maybe some of our guests throughout the week. Uh, but as usual, we've got an interesting show. At 7.15, we're going to be asking why there are increasing rates of poverty in the states of Sabah, Sarawak, Kelantan and Kedah. We're going to speak to Mercy Malaysia for direct observations on the ground. And the broader question is, why is there so much disparity and why is that disparity increasing between developed and more developing states? And at 7.30, we go global with French President Emmanuel Macron's coalition having lost its majority in the Legislative Assembly. What does this mean for policymaking moving forward? Professor Peter McPhee of Melbourne University weighs in. And at 7.45, we get the latest updates on what's holding up the recruitment of foreign workers from Bangladesh with economist Kaur Yuling. And we know this is one of the major pain points a lot of businesses have in Malaysia. Which has been prolonging for a long time. Yeah, prolonging is the word. Why can't it be uh, resolved as soon as possible? All this and more on the morning run. Stay tuned. And uh, to take us to some messages, Master Blaster by Stevie Wonder. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.07, you're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Wong Shanning together with Philip C in his yellow and orange-inspired lemon <laughs> shirt, I would call it. I love that song, Master Blaster. A reminder for those who overslept and over, who, who, who overslept like my mother this morning. I have no words for that, Philip C. You <laughs> just threw your mother under the bus. I do that every day. Auntie, if you're listening, no just don't serve him lunch and dinner, okay? Uh, but in front of us, as usual, at this time of the morning, we're looking at interesting articles that have kind of caught our eye. And, um, you know, I think this is your favourite column in The Economist, isn't it? it? I love it. I like it because it's dry. It's got that sense of humour. And it really pokes fun at work. And, the you know, the office, the environment of the office, right? And it's really... the. Uh, uh, Article is Bartleby from The Economist. So in You're this very art- atas la, atas article, yeah. of course I am, right? With my orange batik shirt. So the title is Work the Waster, yes. And I think it asks the broader question, really, is work really meaningful? Does it really? Is it just a waste of time? Is it a means to an end or does it actually drive purpose? Yeah, but this one is where it's not the work in general. It's yeah. the little bits of work that drive people nuts, right? Or at least take up more time than you think, but... And when you look at it, 
How important was it? How meaningful was it? But yet, it seemed like you had to do it. And it's becoming a bigger issue that work becomes that. Mm. Work becomes clearing emails. Work becomes setting up calendars. Work becomes just doing the cal- doing the administrative pieces as opposed to the actual content and output. Yeah. That I feel is happening. And it actually even happened to me many times where a lot of my goals for the day was, oh, can I just make sure my inbox is empty at the end of the day? That I responded to everybody within an SLA of like, 24 hours. What's the SLA for those who Service don't... level agreement. <laughs> it's like your mini KPI for the it's day, right? It's my mini KPI, right? Because, you know, as a boss and all that, you think, okay, I have to be responsive. You don't really do the work. You manage people. Mm. So that becomes harder as you, you know, move up the, the food chain within the How high are you up the food chain? Philip? Oh, I'm so high. Do we high. need a telescope? Touching to heaven, see... touching heaven. To <laughs> use the telescope to see you? Exactly. You have to bow down when you see me as you enter my palatial offices. <laughs> okay. But I think that's the problem as you get you know, as you get stuck in the rut of work, it becomes more about the process rather than the actual work itself. You know, I, I have to say, I have to agree, okay? The work itself sometimes is not what kills you or creates the stress because in some way it's manageable, right? It's within your control. Mm. It's these little itty-bitty things which you look at it and you think, oh, I have to do it. Why do I have to do it? Why does it take up so much time? So like what bugs me or what I hate to do with things like um, sending in my claims. Mm. It seems to take forever yep. to do that. Simple things like that. Or uh, sorting out the calendar at BFM because right. we've got studio calendars, we've got guest calendars, we've got booking for shows. And just looking at the calendar gives me a, like a bit of a, like a mind meltdown already looking at the multiple colours. But I have to update it, right? Because I want to keep everyone informed. And like you say, just replying the emails. And if one day you get something like 200 emails and you have to make sure you don't miss out the critical ones yes. amidst honestly what is a lot of junk. And it's that, a lot of junk. A lot and of that it. takes up just so much time. So in a way, to has technology, the use of things like Google Calendar, Google Doc, has that actually made work more, more challenging, taking up more time just managing these tools which are supposed to help the work process. That's the irony. The intention was to make life easier. But what we've done is we've used it, we've integrated it into our life and it's become a big chunk of our work and it allows us to take on more. So that's why... Oh, they assume you can do more. They assume you can do more. And that's the biggest challenge we have, right? Because everybody thinks like, oh, you can take on this now because technology has enabled you to do so. I think this is where then you get so frustrated that you can do more, but you still have to deal with all the itty itsy bitsy things like, you know, spell check, for example. And especially in this studio where grammar is important, where, you know, the right spelling, grammatical construction of sentences is very important. Which we fail sometimes. We do apologize. I fail miserably all the time. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, it's hard when you put out a document or output and you have to do that. And that's very time consuming. But the expectation and assumption is with technology, you can do all of it within one clip. You know, with a flick, with a with a few types of the keyboard, it exactly. should be all automatically done, right? Hmm. Uh, but do you find spell check being your biggest problem? Because spell check, especially on phones, sometimes means you send out incredibly weird WhatsApps. Yes, yes. I mean, especially if my WhatsApp involves social and work-related <laughs> yeah. pieces. So I've taken out the spell check error because it's got me into hot water really? many, many times. Let okay. me just assure you that. Okay, we won't ask on air what those, what those, uh, what hot water you got into, but we'll find out later. Uh, but let us know what you think. Have Has technology actually made work 
uh, even more challenging. Are you spending more time doing the nitty-gritty that drives you nuts? Tell us what those nitty-gritty bits are. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899 or you can tweet in at BFM Radio. Up next, some messages. We'll be back um, in just a moment. Welcome back. You're listening to The Morning Run 619 on Tuesday, the 21st of June. And that song was Change by The War on Drugs. Quite a chillax <laughs> song, right? It is, quite, it is. The song doesn't, doesn't quite match the title. doesn't really drive, call for change. No, but no. The, 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 the band, The War on Drugs, sounds very aggressive. Yeah. The, the song, the title is also aggressive, but the tone and melody is far from it. It was very like... Mm, time to sleep. Yeah, time to sleep. Okay, but don't, because you're listening to us, and we're going to keep you company till 10am. Uh, but Philip C., you chose this interesting article that we... Actually, it's not an article, it's a podcast. It's a podcast. From, Again, my favourite. From our enemy, the journal. It's not an enemy. They it's do, from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, basically, it talks about the the downfall of Amazon and how don't say downfall lah. It is true though they are really going through a very tough time. If you look at the share price, you know this year okay, down okay. nearly thirty percent. Is that out to be? You know, I've got Bloomberg in front of me, right? Because okay. I'm that kind of chick. Uh, that's how I roll. Okay, year to date down thirty six percent. Bear exactly. in mind, US US markets are closed today. All right, but I don't think we should poo poo a company uh, where the market cap is. Over a billion US dollars. Okay, so fair, no, fair, no, fair no poo-pooing them, please. No poo-pooing them. I mean, they have really revolutionized e-commerce. It's not a billion, sorry, it's a trillion. A trillion Excuse dollars. Me, sorry, don't. No, don't. That's not a thing, billion. No, dollars. no, trillion, trillion. So they are bigger than some GDPs of the world. So I'm let's sure. let's not poo-poo them. Yeah, but they've really had a tough time and torrid time. I think the past one year when Andy Jesse came in to replace Jeff Bezos, you know, market cap has fallen by about forty over percent, as you said, right, thirty six percent this year, and it's a function of I think as the economy transitions. Perhaps the big bets that they made on e-commerce now seem a bit too excessive, seem a bit too large now. Um, okay, let's rewind. Let's rewind to pre-pandemic, okay? And what was Amazon? Mm. Uh, it was, you know, a juggernaut when it came to home delivery, right? Um, it also started to enter into the cloud space, which did them very well. So I think they had the right engines of growth. Then COVID-19 happened. Clouds, uh, cloud services continues to be a big money earner for them. I think no doubt about that. For sure. But I think where the hiccups happen is the home delivery shopping network. And in their bid to be the the, the choice, the, um, the choice of many people, not just in US, right? We're talking in UK, even in Singapore, they have their services. They try to almost become a retailer. And with the retailer comes all the expensive bits of it, which is the warehousing, the staff, you know, you become almost a logistic, logistics company and Absolutely. it's an expensive endeavour. And I think that's what happened. So they expanded aggressively during COVID because orders were coming in, you know, and, and people needed their toilet paper, their cereal and they were ordering just everything on Amazon because they weren't going out. That's but right. But in the bid to keep up with those orders, then they expanded and expanded and expanded. Absolutely. I think what happened there was they actually have this technology. We talked about technology in the earlier segment called SCOT, right? Supply mm. Chain Optimization Technology, which tended to forecast where the demand flow was. They hired up to 800,000 people, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's so it, fixed costs. Which goes to show, as you said, Shaoning, this is a logistics game. So, to be fair, credit to management, they did notice that this was going to be a bit of a problem. So, they went to the board and Dave Clark, you know, the head of online retail, actually put out a very strong plan mm. about how they optimised the assets and all that. But in the end, after that, he just left after the board approved the plan. He resigned? He resigned immediately. So okay. this is where I think, yes, 
it is a problem here that you know that they went through. They had a solution, but I think this is also this podcast also pointed out to the dynamics of how Amazon management team was a bit dysfunctional in making decisions because, okay. as you said, right, Andy Jesse came from the cloud business, so he built that business really very well. And when he assumed the bigger role of Amazon, and as you said, a one trillion dollar juggernaut, you just can't micromanage yeah. everybody. And software is very different, right, uh, from let's say shopping in uh, logistics which is what amazon's origins are okay Correct. cloud you can econ- there's economies of scale you can scale up relatively easy with very with minimal cost actually of course you still have manpower costs but when it comes to logistics retail it's a different game totally altogether. different game so the consequences right from this massive extension uh, expansion according to the podcast is that they have excess warehouse and logistic capacity that has contributed to 10 billion in extra costs alone 10 billion you know in the first half of 2022 markets don't like it when you can't control your costs that's true you know it's all about the roe the roi right return on equity return on investment and it just cannot compete with cloud business and markets don't like when the advocate for turning this around dave clark resigned immediately after the board was approved with rumors saying that andy jazzy was just micromanaging because he thought it was a core issue Mm. and as a result you know, you see management kind of show a bit of tension and break up in yes. making decisions here. And it doesn't help by the fact that we all countries are transitioning to endemicity. People are out there doing their own shopping. They're not ordering online anymore. So the expansion, wrong time, wrong, you know, is probably what has happened. Mm-hmm. And also, like you say, question marks over leadership. Uh, but we're heading into the 6.30 a.m. news bulletin. And to take us there is Beginning to See the Light by Velvet Underground. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.40, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. And I'm Wong Xiaoning. Today is, of course, Tuesday, the 21st of June. And that was... The song was First of the Gang to Die by Morrissey. Maybe we should play this for our enemies. <laughs> Sounds terrible, right? Who comes so up with this title? Morbid. Yeah. But you know what's dead? What's dead? Hong Kong's Jumbo Floating <gasps> Restaurant. Because Weren't it has there three, seen... I remember there were three of these floating restaurants really? side by side. Yes, in the harbour when I was like seven or eight years old, I remember. Did and you go in before? Uh, yes, I have. I've been to the jumbo and the yes. big one, which looks like a floating kind of like a multicolored kind of temple. Sh- yeah. So unfortunately, you can't go in anymore because it's now sunken because it went through adverse weather conditions as it was being towed away. Yeah, it into, had closed down. This was the down. end of an era already, right? Yeah, correct. So it, it actually like last, until Saturday afternoon, it was passing through Seashell Islands in the South China Sea. And then water began entering and that was the end. Oh, sayonara. It's timely death. Goodbye. It's, it's like the Titanic, gone forever now. Yes, but no Kate Winslet, Leonardo DiCaprio singing. Okay. Um, well, as usual, because I'm a bit more serious than you, Philip. See, I'm going to be talking about economy, economy, economy. And it's all about recession, recession, recession. So I'm looking at Bloomberg. Um, the title is Biden says US recession avoidable after call with summers. I think he's trying to do some damage control here because Janet Yellen came out to say, no, 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 it's not 110% sure that we're going to have a recession. So Biden has to keep that mantra going partially, well, partially, actually not partially, actually, because midterm... Uh, Elections are due end of this year. Yeah, November, right? And I yeah. think uh, usually 
the incumbent never does really well. Especially in a recession. And to be fair, if you're in a recession period, it's very it's very likely you're a one-term president as well. So far, mathematically, it has been the case. Mm. So your chances of survival are almost nil. But it's interesting that he made a call with Larry Summers because Larry Summers has been very much critical with how uh, the Biden administration has been managing the economy. So if you actually do listen to the Bloomberg podcast, Larry Summers is always kind of bashing yes. uh, President Biden in terms of, and even the Fed in terms of how they are taking action, right, to contain inflation. Yeah, but I think at this current moment, also Biden is trying to talk to the congressional Democrats to get a bill or some sort of law in place to combat inflation, revive his economic plan, right, which I think, you know, talking about rebuilding America, looking at infrastructure again, those plans have kind of fallen by the wayside. He's trying to resurrect that, I think, as the next engine of growth. But that's the big question. Can he do it? Because let's on be honest, can he get Saudi Arabia to produce more oil? Can mm. he get I mean, Russia and Ukraine? That's why he's Ukraine? visiting them in September. Yeah, but can he get and Russia? And they were supposed to be the evil enemy when he first entered the White House. He said those words. Well, enemy number one, Saudi Arabia, mm. right? That was the perception. Enemy number two, can he get Russia to import more grains? Enemy number three, can he work with Taiwan and China to get more semicon out? Because uh. if we talk about the issues here about cost of living, these are out of the hands of the Fed. When yes. you talk about supply side related dynamics. Yeah. Uh, um, difficult times ahead for President Extremely. Biden. Yeah. Now, another country or another group of countries having another tough time is, of course, is Europe. This is in the Financial Times headline. Europe does not face fresh sovereign debt crisis, says Euro Group chief. I think this is on the back of the jump in uh, Italian bond yields and mm. Spanish bond yields. And suddenly everybody closes their eyes and remembers Greece in 2009 and even 2012 and 2013. This is the intricacies of Europe where when you talk about the ECB, when they decide on rates, they decide for the whole of Europe, but each respective country has their own sovereign bond market. So there's this whole disconnect taking place, which is, you know, the ECB takes a, you know, a consolidated view for the EU, mm. whereas you have respective sovereign debt markets yes. taking place. And, and that's a huge problem. Yes, and each and country has their own specific economic problems, right? And uh, whether they want to use a common policy to get out of a recession or get out of a slowdown, is that the right approach? Mm. So you, your hands are somewhat tight when you're a member of the EU, but yet you've also got your own local voting public that will that aren't happy, that think you're not doing enough. So what do you do? I mean, that's the big question, which is then the question is fiscal stimulus. And then how much do you allocate for each of the countries? And that's always going to be a huge contention. Does Germany want to pay more to yeah. Southern Europe and to Greece? That's always been the tension here. Yes, that's got this discord between the wealthy North and the not so wealthy South, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, but let's end on a little bit more of a positive news, Philip. And uh, this comes out of the Singapore Straits Times. Headline, aviation industry expected to make 13.5 billion net loss this year. But hey, profits next year. Fingers, and according to IATA, right? Fingers crossed. Because if just to give you some context, in 2020, 138 billion loss. 2021, <gasps> down to 42.1 billion in 2021. And as you say, right, forecasting this year, 13.5. So there has been an improvement. But what you're seeing now in the aviation industry is that everyone is struggling to ramp up. Mm. Everyone is struggling to grow to the point where we even see stories about London Heathrow asking carriers not to cut flights what? as air chaos reigns. They 
there are actually many people struggling to fill to actually operate all these flights and that's why the A380 is becoming increasingly popular because again yes I thought we, I thought it was like the jumbo we said goodbye to you the jumbo you thought it was consigned to history yeah. but more airlines are restarting A380 services simply because they just need the larger capacity deployed for these routes and there's just not enough aircraft slot, airport slots and ground operations to make things so going so that's because by the end of the year passenger numbers should reach 83% of levels seen before the COVID-19 pandemic. Looks like recovery is happening faster than we thought. Uh, but we're heading towards some messages. Uh, and to take us there is Light My Fire by The Doors. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. 6.50, you're listening to The Morning Run with Philip C. I'm Wong Shaoning, And that was Light My Fire by The Doors. Please don't do that. <laughs> uh, yes, don't literally do Only that. Only the rain. Only the rain. Okay, uh, at this time of the morning, we're looking through the local stories that have caught our eye. Philip C., do you want to start? Sure. Um, Free Malaysia today uh, got an article from Rafizi Ramli where he out- outlined what does Pakatan Harapan need to win the next general election. And he said that if 70% of its hardcore supporters came out to vote, they're on course for victory, right? He said that there will be an increase of 10% from the average 60% that usually turns out. Mm. So when I listen to him, it really sounds like it's just about energising the call base yeah and getting them into the to the to the to the polls and also securing about 30 percent of first-time voters and winning about five percent who previously supported the coalition before but you know what he's got right he's got the problem of uh basically people just being fed up yeah right people feeling like oh you know whatever i do doesn't isn't going to make a difference i can go to the polling uh, box i can put makes in my no difference makes no difference the government i voted for is not the government that is in power today so how do you overcome this just look at their own pkr party elections the turnout was so low right it i think it was 30 percent yeah exactly so I, I don't know how he's going to get more get people motivated that they they feel that they want to go to the polling box um on polling day that is going to make Make a difference. Ballot box, not voting box. You know, is this all going to change? It's going to be in tough. time. Yeah, because, because I think he's expecting elections by August. Isn't August, it? September. That's his expectation. And he even, I think, in the in the art in the posting, prefers to say it's all about defending their core seats mm. at the moment. I don't think it's per se about winning like by a stonking majority or per se. Mm. But it's it still comes back to the core, which is how do you get your how do you energize your core voters? Yeah. Okay. Staying somewhat related to the topic, but not related to the topic, is Asmin Ali, right? Oh, who is ex, he? Ex-PKR. Ah, yeah, remember okay. him? Oh, sorry. Yes, once upon a time, also Manjib Basal Salam. Oh, with Zuraida, right? Yes. Oh, but are they in the same party anymore? I'm confused. Let's follow this story. Because in Malaysia Kini, uh, the headline is, I don't remember Asmin's response to report on PKR meet. Uh, because he was evasive when asked whether he had recently met PKR reps, claiming that he could not remember whom he met. I mean, a lot of people all the time. I think what ne- needs to happen is that there has to be a secretariat for all these meetings to be Oh, recorded. by the way, it's at the Sheraton Hotel this meeting. Sheraton, the same <laughs> meeting. <laughs> yeah, this hotel, if the walls could speak, right? If I, only the walls could just, speak. I think, you know, the Sheraton management, whoever they are, they really need to start thinking about rebranding this yeah, hotel you know after the next election because it really doesn't... You know, and, and when you look at the hotel, all you remember India, is government, yeah, changes. government changes. But guess what? Sheraton Hotel, I've been to many hotels. I don't remember which hotel. This is what Azmin <laughs> Ali said. <laughs> I think that's not. I think that was an intentional faux pas because of the stories about many hotel visits that he's had before. Yeah, but in the Malay Mail, he also said, "Don't compare me with Zoraida," says Asmin as he denies joining PKR. Sure. 
Yeah, but politics changes by the second, right? So, you yeah. know, let, we don't know. But staying on uh, politics, um, this is a story from The Vibes. Tajuddin, Tajuddin's ambassador appointment postponed, apparently. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he was supposed to be uh, Malaysia's ambassador Probably to like Indonesia, Indonesia, right? Um, but apparently, um, he has yet to receive his letter for, of appointment. I wonder if there's been a fracas or... or um, because he was unceremos- unceremoniously, you know, kind of um, sent out from Prasarana. Yeah. Right? So, so um, apparently the letter, the ceremony has been postponed to an unknown date because you need to be... Um, it goes through the Istana Nagara, so it's been postponed. But I don't know whether it's due to the fact that our dear king is not feeling well. I think he has a leg injury. Yes, that's right. right. Well, staying on the transport theme, I think we saw the big news happen overnight where there's no SST waiver extension, but cars booked by June 30th and registered by March 2023 are still exempted. I mean, we, we poked fun of the fact that these car showrooms are going to be super crowded uh, this weekend, that many people are going to be calling their car dealers to say, hey, is the vehicle going to come in in end of March 2023 or do I have to switch cars i don't know even if you did you know whether the car companies can actually give you the cars in time by march so there is an improvement in uh, chip shortages okay but the problem is a car has a million components as long as one component can't get to the factory or be part of the you know in assembly in time your car is just not going to come out and i think that's what we're seeing across the world and that's the problem because mea yesterday also reported that total vehicle sales declined for a second consecutive month in may Mm. and that's not a function of demand uh, it's a function of supply i suspect so that's one of the biggest challenges that's coming through you saw in march it peaked up to seventy three thousand units and it's now fallen to close to forty nine thousand six hundred units in may and to wrap up, uh, just a little bit of news from the New States Times. Met Malaysia says La Nina to persist under year end. So we're going to get a lot more rain. So telling you, telling all those drivers out there, be careful on the roads and, you know, be be concerned about flash, flash floods. It's interesting because we I always thought flash floods was at end of the year occurrence. Nope. But as you saw, right, the past two, three days, it's been torrential. It's happening any time of the year, thanks to global warming. Uh, but up next, we've got the 7am news bulletin. And to take us there is one of my favourite songs, Don't You Want Me by Human League. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.